welcome to Imperfect Action. This is Brock Edwards. And of course, this is the show where we're looking for ideas, information, inspiration to really help us get out of our own way, whether it's in our, our business, our life, our, our career. And so very, very excited today for today's guest. We have Sahil Mehta. And I think that's how you pronounce your last name, Sahil, right? <laughs> All right. It gives me the thumbs up here on video. So we're good. Sahil is uh, an entrepreneur, an author, a passionate mountaineer. What did I miss, Sahil? How, how do you introduce yourself when you're meeting people? Yeah, so thanks for the uh, the short brief there, Brock. <clears throat> I usually refer to myself as a global citizen. Uh, you know, many people ask me how or why. I mean, I was born and raised in Belgium, where I spent most of my childhood. I'm of Indian descent, and then I've you know I've lived across five countries. Uh, uh, you know, across three continents around the world. So uh, I really feel that I have a global outlook and I much rather focus on things at a global level than be uh, very centric about one location. Um, you know, so it's all about the people. It's all about oneness, unity. And that's pretty much how I live my life. You know, I've uh, done a bit of traveling. And one of the things that, that I found in the countries I've been through is that, yes, in many ways, some of the stereotypes are, are true. And yet at the root of it all, we, we were all just people. Like, you know, even within those, the, the national stereotypes, there's still this huge range of people that, that overlap with everything else. Tell me, what, what countries have you lived in? So Belgium is where I started. After that, I lived in the UK where I did my university degree and I worked there as well as an investment banker. And, you know, after realizing that investment banking wasn't for me, and just to elaborate on that, I, you know, I, my boss said, how old do you think this guy is? And he was pointing to someone. And I said, oh, he looks about 50. And he goes, no, he's 38. And I said, wow, this is not how I want to end up. <laughs> maybe, this, maybe this role is not ideal for me in the long term. So you know, after leaving investment banking, then I kind of uh, I joined the family trade, which is in the, in the diamond trading business. And that uh, brought me back to Belgium because that's one of the hubs in, around the world. It also took me to India. It took me to the US where I spent a couple of years living in Boston. And then after that, I uh, ended up in Dubai where I've been uh, here since for the last almost 14 years. So that is a range of countries and cultures. And what have you observed, uh, you know, when you, when you think about being a global citizen and the kind of the local differences? I mean, yeah, I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, so so what, what, what's your take on being a global citizen? You know, I, I, I find that pretty, everyone enj enjoys similar things and has, has similar challenges. You know, it's, uh, it's like you said, we have these stereotypes because of perhaps the movies or that's what we were you know, told as children and it's kind of stuck in our minds. But I've noticed that everyone wants joy, right? I mean, I haven't been to a single place in the world where someone says, no, I, I don't want joy. I want to be living in misery, right? <laughs> everyone wants joy in their life and everyone struggles with similar things. You know, uh, unfortunately, with things, the way things have been over the last 12 to 18 months, you know, there's a lot of, I would say, challenges when it comes to mental wellness, right? I mean, there's so much stress and anxiety that has been uh, engulfed over our planet. You know, it's the fear level has just risen so high. And it's unfortunate because this is the, the energy that we're emitting. 
you know, and if we want to attract good things in our life and we want to attract better health, better relationships, you know, approaching everything with fear, which let's just call it for better words, a negative state of being, how, how are you going to get a positive outcome? So if you really are chasing joy, and I know that, look, I don't want to discount what's been happening. People have lost lives. You know, people have lost jobs. People have lost money. But there's many things we still have. And, you know, one thing I love about the human race is that we always build again. You know, any place where you've seen that has been attacked because of war or terrorism or anything else, look how quickly they've bounced back. You know, it's, it's, I, I love that about human nature. We, we, we don't give up. We go through that temporary pain, but wow, look at the outcome. And that's really part of the journey, isn't it? As, as we think about it, you know, you mentioned that the mental health and that's something that I've put some thought into my guests. Some of my guests have, I, you know, I'm not an expert on mental health at, <laughs> at all, but it obviously affects all of us. And one of the things I've observed is, we tend to talk about it as though it's binary. You have mental health or you don't have mental health. And yet from my observation, it's much more of a spectrum, you know, it's, and there's no other form of health that seems to have such negative connotations. Like I, I can be physically unhealthy and people go, yeah, sorry to hear that. You know, you're, you're not doing well, you know, anything I can do to help. But when we think about being mentally unhealthy, um, it's just, it, we, we don't seem to approach it the same as we do physical health, emotional health, even spiritual health. Um, and as you mentioned, in this time, um, there, there seems to be less of an outlet. Like we, we can't connect as well with other people. So it's like we're not connecting, we're, we're keeping it all in and maybe just perusing too much of the internet. I, I don't know. I realize there's not a question at the end of that, Sahil. It's more of just a, a comment and observation off of what you were saying. But No, I, I would tend to agree. And you know, the challenge, Brock, is <clears throat> when you build up the courage, because many people fear talking about it, right? Because um, they're, they're, they're afraid of being judged. And when you finally open up, so many times, you know, in my case, I've heard a response where someone would say, oh, just think positive or you're exaggerating. And they would, you know, shun the conversation, but that doesn't really help me. You know, I finally built up the courage to open up. And the next thing I know, someone is saying, you know, just think positive. I wish it were that easy, uh, but I, I, I would love for someone to just listen, right? Sometimes that's all we need. We just need to have an outlet. We need to release that energy that's stuck inside of us. You know, if we refer to emotions as energy in motion, if you're keeping it within, that energy is just being blocked inside of you. And you know, as as ever, you know, as you may be aware, when you block energy, it 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 can cause all sorts of damage. So your your mental wellness situation gets worse and worse as time goes by if you're not able to find an outlet, and then it can lead to all sorts of things, right? It can lead to uh, um, physical challenges as well. I remember when I was going through difficulties myself, I was having a lot of issues in my gut. You know, I was, I was, my body was in constant inflammation for years, but I didn't realize it at the time. You know, it was only when I had an outlet, when I was able to release, I'm like, oh my goodness, what have I, what have I been doing to myself all these years? I've been carrying this with me. Um, so yeah, it's it's about the awareness and and understanding that if you don't feel good, 
there's probably something that you want to, you know, look into more deeply and not take it too lightly. <clears throat> and that's a challenge there as well, because, you, you know, I think we often, we don't go from like, you know, on a scale of one to a hundred, hundred being great. We don't go from like a hundred to a 25 overnight. Typically, you know, we kind of just go 100 to 98, yeah, 96. And over time, we don't realize how bad we feel. And I don't know, maybe I always experience when I get sick, I don't realize how sick I was until I'm on the mend and I start feeling better. And I realize how bad I felt a few days before. And, and so, you know, you mentioned like, you know, coming out in, in gut issues and, and other things, those can be hard to spot just because that just kind of becomes a, a progressive norm, I think. And especially kind of at the emotional level where, you know, I, I found myself in cycles where, negative thoughts build to negative thoughts, build to negative thoughts. It becomes this kind of downward spiral. And, you know, it almost seems like a skill, uh, an act of courage sometimes to reach out to others. And as you mentioned, you know, sometimes others aren't encouraging or don't know how to have that other half of the conversation. Absolutely. So, <clears throat> and you know, Brock, well, I'd, love to, I'd love to say that, you yeah. know, I love what you just said because a, th a negative thought leads to another negative thought. And it reminds me of when I'm mountain climbing, right? Because when you climb up a mountain, it's never straight up. Mm. <clears throat> You're going to go through many peaks and valleys along the way, right? It's, it's uh, for anyone who enjoys trekking or mountaineering, it's, it's, it's always up and down. But you, overall, you're going up. And then once you're done, you're coming back down. So the same way as we go through our, our, our mountain of life, if that's the best way to call it, many times when you're at the, the bottom of the valley, you lose sight of the peak. You know, you lose sight of the peak and you get so engrossed in the valley that you just, it's like you said, it just, it creates momentum of negative thought one after the other. And it's so important to remember all the peaks that we've achieved in our life till now. And if we don't remind ourselves of the peaks as well, it's just a downward spiral. You know, there's a great concept um, that I came across uh, when reading a book by, by David Goggins, uh, Can't Hurt Me. You know, and he, he explains, he talks about a cookie jar. And instead of having cookies in there, he puts little pieces of paper. So when you're feeling down, you open up that jar and you open up these pieces of paper one at a time. And each piece of paper is an achievement in your life. Whatever you classify as an achievement, it could be grades in school, sports, you know, anything writing a book, writing a blog, you know, climbing a mountain, anything at all. And you keep opening up those pieces of paper one at a time until you feel better. So rather than taking the unhealthy approach of instant sugar, which might give you a high temporarily and then bring you crashing back down, this works a lot better. What I like about that though, and, and <laughs> also is it doesn't rely on other people. You, you know, the, the jar is there. I've created the jar and I'm not counting on someone else to be in the right mood to, to perk me back up. Uh, anyway, just thinking through it, I hadn't, hadn't heard that approach before, but, but I like that a lot. So what was the shift for you? Because you mentioned you, you realized you didn't want to be 38 and look 50. You were dealing with, you know, kind of ongoing inflammation. How did you turn things around in your life? You know, it's one of those instances where it became a part of me. So I wasn't, I didn't even realize that I was in a, in a, in a bad space, but, um, I was going on a trip with a few friends to Ibiza and as we're waiting at the gate at Barcelona airport, 
I turned to one of my friends, Vinny, and I said, Vinny, how are we going to make this trip magical? How are we going to take it to the next level? And we both agreed that if we all follow no judgment, we can take it up a notch or many notches. We shared that with the rest of the friends and everyone agreed. And it was amazing when we agreed on that because instantly I felt as if this huge weight was lifted off my shoulders. I didn't have to be anyone else. I didn't have to impress anyone else. I could just be me. And over the next four days, I exp experienced joy that was euphoric. Now, just to give you an example, we were at a restaurant called Leo one evening. Uh, this is where they have entertainment uh, while you're dining. Right? So they'll have music, they'll have magic, they'll have dance, you know, different forms of acts uh, in between your meals. And one of the acts, the, the lady, she points to me and asks, you know, like kind of tells me, come up on stage. Now, the previous me would have probably shrunk in my chair or, or, or turned the other way. But this time I said, hey, what the heck? No judgment. Let's do it. And I went up and it was just such a liberating experience. And that's how the all, you know, that's what I was experiencing all four days. So when I'm coming back to Dubai, I'm thinking to myself, I need to journal this so that I can share it with my wife, Ekta, you know, I, while it's still fresh in my head. And as I started to journal, tears started to go down my face. And I, I started to reflect and I go, what's going on? You know, this is not, it's not like you to cry. And I realized that I didn't really recognize myself anymore. You know, I'd been wearing masks for so long, especially the mask of must be seen as Mr. Nice Guy, that I'd lost my identity. I mean, the last time I've, I can remember being authentic for days was probably when I was a child, a young child. And wearing all these masks had created a lot of clutter in my life. And just to be clear on what my definition of clutter is, is clutter is nothing more than shunned confrontations. I was shunning confrontations with my health. I was shunning confrontations with other people. And I was doing it in all areas of my life that had built up so much clutter. And, you know, clutter, just imagine a ball and chain wrapped around your leg. And then you're trying to run. You know, I know you do trail running. I mean, imagine if I've got lots of these balls and chains wrapped around your leg that run is going to be awful. It's going to be so much harder. It's going to take more energy and you might not even get to your destination. And so that's when I said, look, Sahil, you need to identify the clutter in your life and break free from it one at a time. So I came back and I started this journey and I made myself the number one priority because before I would make everyone else the number one priority. And eventually some people used to, you know, people would start coming to me and going, hey, What's going on? You know, we've noticed this huge transformation in you. What's, what's your secret? What's happening? And I started to share. And then one evening I'm standing at the bar um, at an event and James walks up to me and he says, Sahil, listen, your sharing has had such a profound impact on my life. Don't keep it to yourself. Share with others. So I started sharing even more. And the next thing I knew, I'm on a, on a, on a paid gig. I'm flying to Nairobi in Kenya to present to, you know, two different groups of entrepreneurs. So I'm like, wow, this is, this is amazing. I never thought this would happen. Uh, and then I also realized that, look, I can't be everywhere at once and not everyone can perhaps pay to have me travel or pay for the hotel or speaking. And that's when I also wrote a book because I realized the book is a great way for me to share the tools and rituals that I 
um, implemented in my life, which helped me to identify and remove the clutter to break free, that I could then share that with the world. And, you know, Brock, if I had to go down to a purpose level, I found, and again, this was, I didn't realize the space that I was in, how bad it was and how much it was affecting me in a negative way. But when I'd had, I, I refer to it as violence on the inside, my, my world outside also was very violent. And the moment I was able to remove this clutter in my life and get more peace on the inside, suddenly the world around me, my world, my bubble, however you want to refer it, became more peaceful. My relationships improved, my work improved, my health improved. And I, you know, it's, it's, it's always the same where you go, I wish I knew early and I started <laughs> years and years ago, but better late than never, I guess. Absolutely. Yeah. And I want to get, get around to kind of the, the framework around decluttering that, that you have and that you use and that you teach. But I want to ask, well, I actually want to make a couple observations here because when you talk about that, that trip, you asked a very, very powerful question that oftentimes we don't, you know, you asked, how can we make this trip magical? Not just, you know, hey, what are we going, typically we ask like, what are we going to do? Like, where are we going to go? What are we going to see? And what would make this magical is such a different level of question. And I just thinking about, you know, what if we just apply that to like everything we did? You know, how, how can I make this meal with my family magical? How, how can I, you know, make this day at work magical? And it's just a, a, such a different way of thinking about it. I just imagine how that Brock, trip might I, I love, different. I love what you're saying. I love what you're saying. I love what you picked up. And sorry to have interrupted you there. Imagine when it comes to relationships, you know, asking your, you know, in my case, as, as, as a son, I, would, I, I went and I asked my parents just recently, I said, how can I be a better son? You know, I asked my wife, how can I be a better husband? I asked my kids, how can I be a better father? And it requires you to be very humble because you're going to hear things <laughs> that you may not like. But my rule, internal rule, was I listen. I don't comment. I don't answer back or anything. I don't defend nothing. I just listen. And then I say thank you at the end. And then I choose what I want to take away from that and, and start to implement in my life. But I, I love what you're saying because when you ask a powerful question, that's really where transformation can occur. Yeah, definitely not just a, you know, a typical day there. It, it refocuses <laughs> the, the mind on uh, next level. And you, you also said something interesting in there that, you know, it gave yourself, you gave yourself permission. The whole group gave each other permission to not have judgment and, you know, being authentic, being our true selves is, of course, very important and often very difficult to do. And it struck me, I hadn't thought about it before until you said it, that is it possible that being our truest self, you would think that would be easiest in front of our friends, and maybe it's more difficult in front of our friends than it would be in front of strangers? What, what are your thoughts? It's funny you say that. I, I you know, I've, I myself have had you know, when I'm traveling and I'm just, you know, at a hotel and maybe at the, at the bar or something, I just strike up a conversation with someone. And because I know I'm probably never going to see them again, I'm op more open. Mm. And, you know, they can think of me whatever they want, because it's only going to last half an hour or one hour, or whatever it ends up being. Um, 
but yeah, in front of uh, friends, you know, I've 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 wanted to impress, right? I want them to love me. You know, I want uh, I want them to think of me and go, yeah, he's an awesome guy. Um, but wearing masks, you know, is a lot of work. You're, you're pretty much, I mean, in my case, I was acting for so many hours of the day that it's tiring. You know, it's so much easier to be the best version of yourself than the second-rate version of somebody else. Well, and it seems not only tiring... But it seems like you, you you run the risk of losing yourself in there. You know, you play the part for so long, you forget who, who the original person was. Absolutely. And that's, that's, you know, that's how I felt my life was. I was wearing a mask for so long that that became my persona. I mean, you know, to dive a little deeper, you know, one of the cha- challenges I faced, my wife came up to me and she said, you're not the guy I married. Like I, I don't, I don't recognize you anymore. You know that was tough. That was tough because we distanced. Mm. You know, I was I was removing clutter in my life and at such a rapid pace, and evolving so much, changing my diet, changing my 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 daily routine, and all of it affects my relationship with my wife because, you know, I switched to a plant-based diet and we could no longer share certain dishes that we used to love sharing. You know, my daily routine changed where I became more of a morning person than an evening person. And I know I, I tend to wake up around five, five thirty naturally every morning. And so that meant less socializing on the weekdays. So you can only imagine, you know, she's, <laughs> she's going, who are you? What's going on? And, you know, I want to highlight the, um, the one degree shift here. You know, if you haven't heard it already, it's, if you look at a one degree shift at the center of a circle, it's not that far, but as you go out, as you go out, that distance gets further and further. In fact, if you miss the moon, if you're launching a rocket and you miss the moon by one degree, you basically miss the moon by almost twice its diameter. Because the further you go out, the distance increases. So even though there was nothing wrong with our marriage per se, we really struggled because we started to, that one degree shift over time just became more and more. And the only way that I was able to bring it back was being more aware of it and really communicating um, and constantly checking in with her and asking, how can I be a better husband? Uh, But it was a lot of hard work. But I can say, thankfully, it worked out, and we're we're you know uh, our marriage is stronger than it's ever been. So, but it was very scary at one point, very. Well, it certainly highlights one of the the challenges when people start to make big changes in their life is those around them don't necessarily, and like you mentioned, it can be a surprise. Uh, they can, you know, they can come along, they cannot come along, they can react to it, uh, they can be discouraging. And because the relationship is then different, you know, like you say, you know, you, you are a different person. Um, in fact, when you first said that she had said that, you know, you're, you're not the person she married, I, my, my question was, well, is that a good thing? I mean, like, <laughs> are you now a better version of Sahel or is it just a different version? And it sounds like it was a different version that has become a better version because you've been communicating, because you've brought her along the, the journey. So let, let's talk about this de- decluttering because 
typically when people use the word declutter, I think of like, you know, cleaning the countertops and the junk drawer out of the cleaning, you know, <laughs> tidying up the garage. And that is not what you were talking about at all. And so how does one, and you've mentioned, you know, in, in your mind, your identity, you mentioned your body, you changed your, your diet. Um, so what is your approach to decluttering? So the framework, Brock, that I put together is really focusing on the four dimensions of life. And we start with decluttering the mind. So all of it's affecting the mind. Let's just, you know, be very clear on that. But I've still broken it down into four areas because when I say decluttering the mind, it's about things which are not involving other people, right? It's things that you can do with yourself. It's a bit like the cookie jar. You don't need someone else to be part of that equation for you to improve. You can, it's just you. So decluttering the mind will focus on things such as why there's no reason to worry. And, you know, I'll, I'll dive a little deeper in this one. I, I came across, across this concept when someone says no reason to worry and I go, what? That's, that sounds ridiculous. And they said, okay, listen, take, let, let me take you through it. And they tell me, look, is there a situation in life? No. Okay, nothing to worry. Is there a situation in life? Yes. Can you do something about it? No. If you can't do anything about it, what's the point of worrying? Because it's not going to change the outcome at all. So you might as well accept it. And if you can do something about it, then get off your backside and do something. Stop procrastinating. And then I, I, th I said, wow, this is amazing. And I said, no, but look, I have challenges that are more complicated than that. It's not so straightforward. And they said, okay, break it down. Any complex task, break it down into things you can do something about and things you cannot. And immediately get rid of all the things that you can't do anything about so your, your stress levels go down. And then all the things you can do something about, start putting a plan of action in place. And I was, I was like, wow, this was absolutely phenomenal. And I've applied it ever since in all areas of my life. And every time I start worrying, I, I go through that formula and I say, okay, either I can do something about it or else I'm going to put a plan of action in place. It's funny um, so that's what I cover. I talk about what's, you know, who or what's your number two priority. I talk about uh, a, a morning ritual. So I, and I talk about different things that you can apply in your mind to your life to declutter your mind. So that's step one. Let, let me ask you here. Well, I, and I don't know if it's a, a question, more of an observation that it's funny how we tend, uh, people, me, uh, tend to focus on what we can't control. Like that's what we start obsessing about and running through our minds. Or we think about those things that we can control, but we only think we, we don't take action on them. You know, we just get stuck in this loop of thinking about it and procrastinating on it. And I mean, as you were talking about, it's like, well, yeah, that's really simple. That's really clear. That's obvious. We all know that, but, uh, but it's not what we do. <laughs> and you know, that's kind of the, I think the brilliance there of just parsing out, can I do something? Yes. No. If I can, then, then stop worrying about it. Just go do it. I love that because it's simple. It's practical. We can all do that. And it's counter to, I think how many of us typically approach it. Absolutely. And then, so that's, Step one. Step two is still the self, but it's focusing on the physical self. It's focusing on the body. So, you know, being a more aware of the fuel 
by fuel, I mean the food that you're eating, right? Because the quality of the input is going to affect the quality of the output, which is your, your, you know, your energy levels and, and so forth. And, and I also highlight something that we tend to sometimes forget, or at least I did, is that the body is a natural healing machine, right? I mean, if you get a small cut, you don't need to go to the doctor. You don't need to take any medication. Your body heals itself. Now, it might take longer if you let it heal by itself, but it can. And so when we do things to, you know, get in the way to obstruct the healing process, we're actually reducing our immunity and making it harder for our body to do what it does best and work at an optimal level. So for example, if we're eating foods that are artificial, you know, with artificial coloring, with high in sugar, uh, artificial trans fat, you know, a bunch of things, which unfortunately is in a lot of people's diets nowadays, that's not really <laughs> ideal for human consumption. And that's going to prolong the healing process. So we talk about that. We talk about, you know, how to avoid uh, and remove injuries. Like I used to work out really heavy and I used to get injured. So I used to go to the physiotherapist. And one day, Dr. Gvozdan, he tells me, he goes, Sile, are you competing? I said, no. He goes, look, I mean, it's great that you keep coming here and giving me your money, but is it worth it? And that's when I had my aha moment. I go, you know, he's right. I mean, <laughs> what difference does it make if I can deadlift 150 kilos or 120 kilos or 90 kilos? It, it, it makes no difference in my life. So why am I pushing myself too far? Obviously, it's good to push, but too far where I'm getting injured on a frequent basis. And think about it. You get injured. You feel down. You're not able to do as much during that period. You go to the doctor. It costs you money takes time. I mean, there's so many negatives with that. And then I just said, wow, I'm going to switch my workouts and, and so that I reduce my injuries. So I, I talk about that. I talk about the importance of sleep, you know, because that's where a lot of the healing is happening, physical and mental recovery. Uh, and so I really focus on, on, on the body. And once we've dealt with the body, then we start moving to the external world, which is people. Now, when I talk about decluttering people, a lot of individuals assume that it means getting rid of people in your life. Now, yes, that may be true to some extent. You know, there's some toxic people that just should not be there in your life. But what it's about really removing the clutter between you and someone that you care about. You know, things which are unsaid. You know, the, 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 the white elephant in the room, right? It's overcoming those challenges which are hurting your relationship. So, you know, I talk about acceptance versus expectations. I talk about forgiveness. I talk about overcoming confrontation because many times I used to avoid conversations with people because in my mind, I'm like, oh my God, it's going to be a terrible conversation that, you know, they're going to get upset. And again, it was with my mask of, you know, wanting to be Mr. Nice Guy. And I, and I also used to approach some of these conversations with fear, with anger, and I'm thinking, if I approach it with these negative emotions, how do I expect to get a positive outcome? So now I go in and I approach the conversation with love and empathy and compassion. And I'm very clear what I want the outcome to be. And I even share that with them. So I'd be like, Brock, look, things haven't been that great between us. This is the outcome I'm looking for. So I've already highlighted that from the start. So after that, you know that even if I say something you may not like, at least you understand my intention is to get us closer again right That's so powerful 
that is, uh, you know, I, I love that of just putting the outcome up front in the conversation and, and then the, the intention there. But I, I, I want to ask, it's interesting because you say that, you know, you were Mr. Nice Guy and you, you got rid of that mask. And yet, you, you know, you're talking about having conversations with love, empathy and compassion, which would seem to be not bad. I mean, it's it's almost like you um, had this persona of Mr. Nice Guy and by getting rid of it, you've become an even nicer guy. I I, I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not. Yeah, yeah, no, it it certainly does. I mean, the Mr. Nice Guy was caring too much about what other people think and then not having the courage to say what I really wanted to say, right? And, and so I just let that linger and I let that emotion just stay inside of me. It was blocked. It was, you know, creating a lot of damage inside my body. But now it's, I, I, I've turned it around. I made the priority me. But because I, my approach is, you know, love towards all living things, be it humans, animals, or nature, I'm still going to be who I am. But I'm, I'm going to think about me first, not the other person. Because so here's the thing, when you try to, or at least when I tried to make other people happy, it's an impossible task. You know, no matter what you do, there will always be something that makes the other person upset because of some expectation or how you said it or whatever it might be. And so it's a failing, um, you know, quest. And so I said, okay, look, I, I'm done. I'm done with this. I'm going to focus on me, what, 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 what's important for me. I am my own number one priority. And people say that style, that sounds so selfish. And I say, look, if my cup is overflowing, I have a lot to give. If I'm empty, I've got nothing to give. It, it is an interesting paradox that by focusing on yourself and not worrying about being Mr. Nice Guy, you are able to be a nicer guy and give more to others. Absolutely. <laughs> and so, then that brings me to the last and fourth part, yeah. which is more in lines with what you were thinking earlier, is decluttering from the material world. But it's still not about reorganizing and stuff. It's really going through everything you own and asking yourself, does this serve any function in my life? And if it does, keep it. It's not about minimalism. Minim and, and plus, you know, even if you watch... I think the minimalists, they came out with a new uh, documentary. They said that it's not about having as few things as possible. It's about only having things that, that serve purpose and function in your life. So if your you know, work requires you to wear a certain type of clothing and you, need, you, know, you travel a lot and you need to have many suits, go for it. But if you need seven, have seven. Don't have 20, right? So it's really about going through your stuff and detaching from the things that you don't really need anymore. And I want to be careful here, right? Because there's want versus need. You know, when I was on the mountain, uh, we were having dinner one night and this was, you know, just before summiting Kilimanjaro, the tallest mountain in Africa. And I was with my fellow climbers and I asked all of them, what do you miss the most? And these were five ladies, by the way, with me, one of them being my wife. And all of them said kids without hesitation. I was like, wow, none, none of you said husband. <laughs> but I felt, uh, I felt good because my wife was there. So obviously she's not missing me. Um, but jokes aside, 
I asked them again, I said, look, people, forget people, what do you miss the most? And the three most common answers were a warm room, a bed, and running water. And that's when it hit me. It's, I said, wow, these are the things we need. These are the basic necessities. Everything else is a desire, it's a want. And that's when I came back and I said, I need to stop using, I need this, I need that, and start replacing that with I want. Call it what it is. And when I started changing my mindset, I realized that I didn't actually need that many things. And so over the years, I've, I've removed, wow, I would say well over half my belongings because I just had that much ex excess. And it was, it, was, it was amazing because I went from a mindset of scarcity to a mindset of abundance. So another paradox there, and, and I love paradox. So the, the idea that by consciously getting rid of things, you shift from scarcity to abundance, where when you had more, you had less. And now that you have less, you have more. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my methodology. And these are the four steps that you go through. And eventually, what that allows you to do is break free. Right? Break free from this clutter that you've been dragging around with you for oh so long. Well, as you talk to people about this, as you share this framework, as they, they read the book, and um, by the way, I don't, did we even say the book's name? What, what's the book's name, Sahil? <laughs> the, the book's name is Break Free. Excellent. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. We've been talking about it, but I realize we may have not just told people what it is so they can find it. Um, and, you know, as you speak to people, what seems to be kind of the, the biggest barrier or stumbling block for people to go through this process? Is it getting started? Is it somewhere in the middle? Is there some typical just barrier? It's the getting started. And it's, it's, it's really surprising because many people know what they want or how they wish their life would be. And, you know, some of the common objections I get is, I don't have the time. Or it sounds really, really hard. You know? And I'm thinking, wow, I mean, this is procrastination. I said, this is what we're trying to overcome. <laughs> well, it, it does seem to be kind of this weird quirk of human nature where we say, you know, yes, I want this amazing life. I know what it looks like, but um, I'll get started tomorrow. It's fine. You know, I, I don't need to get started now. That sounds too hard. You know, as we talk, it, it occurs to me that it, it, this also is not binary. It's not like you declutter your mind, you declutter your body, you declutter people. I mean, it does seem to be a process kind of going through levels, going through a journey on it, always, you know, kind of cycling through. Has that been your experience? Absolutely. Look, it's, you know, I shared the framework and I tell people, look, it's, there's no order in which you should do it. You should find the, feel which one resonates with you the most. And certainly don't go after the hardest thing first because, you know, it already requires courage, humility, and discipline in order to start this journey. And if you choose, you know, something that's at a level 10, you've kind of made it so difficult for yourself that you, you, you probably or most likely would fail. And then, you know, that just discourages you from trying anything else. So 
I encourage people to read the book and then, you know, take on the tasks which resonate with them the most, but only do one or two at a time. You know, whatever I share, I've shared my journey over in the book over four and a half years, and I'm still decluttering different areas of my life. And so, you know, it's, it's human nature. I see people getting all exciting. Oh, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. This and that. And I say, whoa, whoa, whoa. One at a time, you know, and, but do it today because it's like you say, you know, I'll start tomorrow. And then I tell people, I, you know, I have this story that I will share. I say, listen, this sailor, he went to the captain and they, he said, captain, captain, when do we get our pay? And the captain says, come tomorrow. And so the next day the sailor wakes up all happy going, running to the captain, 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 can I get my pay today? And the captain goes, hey, didn't I tell you tomorrow? So <laughs> as you already know, tomorrow never comes. Today, 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 start today, you know, and do something, even if it's small, take the, like the, the lowest hanging fruit, but do something, you know, because once you build momentum, Brock, you start seeing, you take action, you start seeing the results, you start believing in it. And then, you know, you see the potential and then that cycle just keeps going on and on, right? It's, it's so powerful. But if you don't start or you try to do something too difficult from the get-go, you're in trouble. Well, final two questions for you then, Sahil, is uh, one, where can people find you? So, I mean, they can find the book, you know, Amazon Bookstore, whatever. But um, if they want to learn more about you, find out more, what's the best place to find you? The best is to go to my website, which is www com, And in fact, for all the listeners, you know, there's a, a foundation course, a break-free foundation course, which is offered without any charge. And so it'll give you a set of five videos over five weeks, uh, you know, focusing on the different areas that I just spoke about. And it gives you a taste of what you can expect. And then other than that, you've got the obvious like LinkedIn, Instagram, Facebook, you know, I'm on, on the social media channels on YouTube. Um, and then the, you can even reach me through my website. My contact details are listed there. So that's the best way to find me. So last question for you and question I ask all my guests is what would your ask be of the listener? Like, how can they help you? you? You've poured so much into helping yourself and helping others from that. How could they help you out? If it benefits you, share, you know, spread the love. Um, it's all about telling and informing people who we care about, about, you know, methodologies or frameworks that have benefited us. Right. So just share. That's all I ask. All right. Nice. Well, thank you so much for being on today, Sahel. This has been fantastic. Thank you, Brock. It's been a pleasure. 